Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Well, I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, We're going to cover a topic, message, lesson, whatever you want to call it. But regardless, I've been very burdened about this and just wanted to share this with you all. I was going to have a guest on for today's episode, but really felt led of the Lord to put that off a week and do this. But I promise you next week we will have some guests lined up. I'm still waiting to hear back on which one we'll, we'll put up first. But there are some very exciting things coming ahead here in the next few weeks of the podcast that I would encourage you to pray for me and pray for those that will be coming on and with the podcast and so forth because I covet your prayers and a lot of great things are going forward and a lot of wonderful things I just want to pray about and make sure that they're the Lord's will before I go through with it and I would covet your prayers in that area. But today's Bible message will be from the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 8. So if you have your Bible and if you're able to open it with you there, um, if not, it's okay, just listen along as I read. But in Ezra chapter 8, we'll be in verses 21 through 23. And I want to cover a simple topic, very serious topic, but a simple one. And it's a hard lesson to learn. I believe it's one of the hardest lessons to learn in the Bible, or according to the Bible, one of the hardest lessons to learn with our life, is the simple fact that God is always enough. And that seems simple, and it is simple to say, but it's a hard one to live out, that no matter what in life goes wrong, God is always enough, and it doesn't matter what everyone else around us says. That if we have God on our side, that is what matters. And we find this here in Ezra chapter 8. And in Ezra chapter 8, I'll read the verses here and then we'll talk about it and I'll give you some of the context of what's going on. But in Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23, it says, Then I proclaimed to fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. But his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So what's going on here? Ezra, he's leading the return back to God, uh, back to Israel, back to the homeland there. They've been driven out of the home, and they've been living there in Babylon for 70 years. And God is bringing them back, and he's called Ezra to... Take a, rem- take a group back to the nation of Israel to rebuild the temple and to get the walls up, as you see with Nehemiah, and to really get this idea of getting Israel back to being a nation again. And earlier in the chapter and in the verses before that, we find us some context. We find that the king of Persia, Artaxerxes, promises Ezra whatever he needs. He says, Ezra, whatever you need, I'll give it to you. You need men, you need supplies, horses, camels food, water, you name it, we'll get it to you. It's all yours. And Ezra tells him, no, he says, I don't need that. I've got God, and he'll provide for me. He'll give me what we need, and we'll be just fine. Thank you for your help, but no thanks, basically. And we find that in Ezra chapter 7, verses 12 to 26, if you want to read that on your own, you'll find the context of that there. And we see that Ezra really took a step of faith. And looking at it, you're probably thinking, Ezra's an idiot. What's going on? Like, why would you turn that away. Why would you turn away the king's help, the king's supplies, what the king is giving you, and it's free, it's right there for the taking, and you can guarantee passage, and and you could make your way there safely. But Ezra says, no, I've got God. We find that 
As we saw there in verse 22, the last half, he says, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. He says, you know what? We've been seeking God. God is on our side. God is going to get us through this. And I want to test the Lord and to see what he's going to do. And he's living really the faith life. And this idea of living a faith life is a dangerous life. It's a life that I don't want to live sometimes, and I'm sure you don't as well, listener. It's a life that's spent trusting the Lord, relying on him when we don't want to, and saying, you know what, God? I don't see a way out of this. I'm trusting you. You got me here. You're going to get me out. Because stepping out by faith gives God an opportunity to show us that he is enough. Because God is enough, as I said in the beginning. But the only way to prove that is by stepping out in faith. The only way you can prove that God is always enough is when he is all you have. We see this with Ezra's life, and we'll see this with our lives as well, that the times that we test and we can know that God is always enough for us is when he's all we have. See, when we have other things besides God with us, we tend to think, well, you know, the other things, you know, the the things, the people, the stuff, they got me through, they're enough. But when all that's stripped away, all that's taken away, like with Ezra, we find that, you know what, God is enough. He's just waiting for me to test him, step out by faith, rely on him, and then he'll get me through the thing that he's trying to get me through. And as I said, it is a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson to step out in faith. We find that in the book of Corinthians, first or second, I can't remember if it's first or second Corinthians, where he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And I believe Ezra exemplifies that verse here in chapter 8, this account that we're looking at. You know, and then if we look at chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, so not only, you know, we find that Ezra tests the Lord and tests this faith, and tries to see if God is always enough. We find that God is enough in verses 31 and 32 of the same chapter where he says, Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy, and of such as lay lay in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode there three days. But going back there, the last half of verse 31, I have it underlined in my Bible. It says, And the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hands of the enemy. You see, the enemy was laying in wait. The enemy was going to harm them, but God delivered them. God got them through it, and God rescued them because Ezra exercised faith and stepped out saying, You know what, God? You were enough. I'm testing that principle, and we are going to see if you can deliver me. And God did. And each of us, God is looking for the same thing. He's wanting us to test him in faith. He's wanting us to say, You know what, God? You're right. I need to test you in faith. I need to take that step and prove that you are always enough by realizing you're all I've got, and then you then prove that you are enough and that you are just what I need. So we're going to look here. I have three simple points, and we'll close this up here, on this topic of God is always enough and this theme. Number one is this. When God is enough, he provides all our need. When we realize that God is all we've got, when he's all we have, he's all we need, all our needs are going to be provided for. All our needs are going to be taken care of. If you look with me in your Bible in Philippians chapter 4, uh, keep a bookmark here back at Ezra chapter 8, but in Philippians chapter 4, we'll look at a familiar verse, verse number 19. And this verse talks about this very principle here. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. If you have your Bible, as I said, I would encourage you to turn there and to underline, mark this verse, and I'll be there in just a second. But in Philippians chapter 4, if I could find my place there myself, but Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19, it reads this, it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God promises that by Christ Jesus, that God is going to supply our needs. He's going to supply all of our needs. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. You see, God owns the cattle on the thousand hill. He owns everything around us. He created it all himself. He owns it all, and he can give us what we need. 
And God promises that, you know, whatever need we have, God is going to supply it. Whatever we're going through, God is going to deliver. Whatever we're going through, God will give us just what we need because He is always enough. And when God is enough for us, He provides our needs. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 6, another familiar passage, we'll look at verses 31 through 33 here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. And these verses read, they say here, um, in verse 31 through 33, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, God says, look, we've got it backwards. He says, if you just... Seek me, he says in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if we make the goal God, if we are searching to live a life that's Christ-like, searching to please the Lord, and realizing that he is all we have and he is enough, he says he's going to provide for us. If we just seek him in his kingdom, in his righteousness, then God's going to provide our needs. He's going to provide what need we have. I don't know what need you face today, listener. I don't. Quite frankly, is that I do not know what you are facing. Your neighbor might not know what you're facing, but God does. And all God is waiting for you to realize is that he is enough and he is there for you. And he's going to deliver you and give you what you need, when you need it, when you realize the lesson. So the question for all of us today, it's a tricky one. It's a, a tough one when we really examine ourselves to it. But are we truly relying on the Lord? Are you relying on him sometimes? A little bit certain days of the week or when certain instances come around where you know, you're know you waiting on the paycheck and things, you rely on them? Or do we rely on them every single day? Because it is a daily thing. It's something that God expects us to do all the time. So are you relying on Him? And then number two here, when God is enough, He gets all the glory. You see, when we go through hard times and God delivers, if you're like me, many times you can be selfish and you want the glory. You want everyone walking away from the story you tell them saying, oh, well, you know, so-and-so... They really delivered themselves, picked themselves, picked themselves up out of the, uh, by the bootstraps to get out of that. The Lord, you know, they, they did this, they did that. But in reality, when we realize the lesson that God is enough, He gets the glory. Not me, not you, not your pastor, your church. It all goes to God. And when we rely on Him, He can get the glory. And living a life depending on God brings Him great glory. And bringing great glory, or bringing God great glory, excuse me, helps us live like Christ. If you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll look at verses 27 through 31 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about this very thing, of this, this idea, this thought of God getting glory. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll look at verses 27 through 31. And the verses say this, they say, But, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring not things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I love back at verse 27, it says that God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You see, God chooses the little things that, and he chooses to use those to bring him glory because when he uses the small things like that, it totally gets the glory off of us. We can't say, well, it was all me that gets the glory because God uses the foolish things 
He uses the little things, the weak things, the base things to bring him the glory and not us the glory. And he does it on purpose. And as I said, when we bring God glory, it helps us live like Christ. Because Christ, when he was on earth, he was all about bringing the Father glory, about honoring the Father, glorifying the Father, pleasing the Father. And when we try to live a life that's pleasing to the Father, God uses it to make us more like him. God uses it to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. And bringing God the glory helps us live like him. If you look at me in Joshua chapter 4, we'll read verses 21 through 24 of Joshua chapter 1. And we know that Moses is dead, and he just passed away a few chapters before that at the beginning of Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua is the new leader of the Israelites. And they just crossed over in the Jordan, and God tells them something. And he tells them to put a memorial up. And in verses 21 through 24 it says, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. So they just crossed the Jordan, and God tells Joshua, he says, Hey, put up twelve stones as a memorial to the people so they can look back at these stones and say, Oh, that's when God got the glory. That's when God delivered us. And they did it not to bring the glory and honor to Joshua or to the people that walked across the dry land, but to God. And when we go through things and when we realize that God is enough and he's all that we have and all that we need and we've been tested that way, if we take the test properly, we walk away from that bringing God the glory, relying on him. Now, number three, lastly here, when God is enough, he gives us courage. Back in Joshua chapter 1, we find in verse 9, that Moses tell, that God tells Joshua there, you know, be, be strong and of a good courage. He tells him that all throughout the book of Joshua, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, every single chapter almost, God tells him to either fear not or to have courage or to not be afraid and to take a stand for God. If you look at John chapter 12, verse 32, we find something else on this point here. John chapter uh, 12, verse 32 I'll give you a second to turn there if you have your Bible. If not, you can just listen along as I read it. But John chapter 12, verse 32, it says, And and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And that's Jesus speaking there, saying, You know what? All you got to do is lift up me. And when we realize that God is all is enough, He is all we need. And here's the He's the only one we're lifting up, not anyone else. We're lifting up Christ. He says He will draw all men unto Himself. He's going to get the glory. He's going to deliver. He's going to give us our need. He's going to provide for that. And he's going to give us the courage. He's going to give us the boldness like he gave Joshua, like he gave other people in Scripture, like he can give us if we realize he is enough and we rely on that. You know, God gives us the courage to attempt things we wouldn't dare. You know, think back at, you know, things at your church or people that you know that have taken a stand for God. One of the reasons they've taken the stand is because simply I keep repeating myself and I'm doing it on purpose here for emphasis. But they've realized that God is always enough. It doesn't matter what anyone else around them says. All that matters is what God says, and if they're on God's side, they're in the majority, friend. Even if it's just them and God, they are in the majority, and God gives them the boldness and the courage to attempt things that to us seem almost crazy. But to God, they're just what he wants, just what he's looking for. And when we realize that simple lesson, God gives us the courage to take a stand for him. If you look back in Ezra, if you look at verses 1 all the way through about verse 20 or so, 
he lists a bunch of names of people. All these people have taken a stand, and it looks almost like just a boring list of genealogies if you just look at it like that. But it's so much more than that. When you really study out the names and study out what's going on, you find that each name listed on that, each family, each people, each tribe of Israel, left the comforts of Babylon to go to a place that was unfinished, a dangerous city, a place that had been conquered, a place that the walls were still being built, there was no temple, and there was a lot that needed to be done, a lot of fixing that needed to go on. And they were leaving comfortable Babylon to follow the Lord. It was difficult for them, but God gave them the courage. And he gave them the courage because they recognized all they had was God on their side and they were in the majority, friend. And you know, we might feel like we're in the minority, but if God is on our side, we are in the majority. So rest in that simple fact today and God will give you the boldness to follow on and to do what God wants you to do. So things may be difficult, but God is all you need. It might be hard and God may be all you have and that's all you need. You don't need the other people around you. All you need is the Lord and he will get you through it. He'll give you the courage, provide your need. He'll get the glory and you'll get through it. All because you've relied on the Lord. And I want to close with a quote here before I uh, finish out our message. But William Carey, the great missionary, pioneer missionary, he made a statement. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. You know, when God is enough, he'll give us the courage. And he'll give us the courage to attempt great things for God. And we get the boldness to attempt the great things when we begin to expect the great things. And if you want to expect the great things, you've got to realize God is all you have. God is all you need. And that's okay. And you're going to get through it. And God's going to deliver once you realize that lesson. And as I said, this is the hardest, one of the hardest lessons to learn in the Bible is that God is enough. That He's all we need. He's all we have. It's a hard one, but it's a, it's, a, it's a true one, one that we all need. So I'll just, by way of review here, our simple points are this. When God is enough, He provides all our need. When God is enough, He gets all the glory. And when God is enough, He gives us courage. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day and this uh, privilege to record this. Thank you for the technology allowing me to do so. And I pray that you use this simple message in Ezra, Father. It's, it's a hard one. It's a hard lesson, but a simple one. And I pray that you help myself, everyone who lo- listened to this, to just take this message, apply it, and just get this simple message in their heart and really just begin to understand and strive to learn the lesson, Father. Thank you for everything you've done, and in your Son's name, amen.